2: You can support this podcast at patreon.com slash partners in crime media.
0: This week's Law & Order Marathon winner is Angela Mann of Clay, New York. Angela will get a marathon decal showing. She watched 26.2 hours of her favorite crime show. To be next week's winner, sign up at Podcast.com. I'm Kevin Flynn with Rebecca Lavoie and Tara Ariano, and these are their stories. You think you know
2: who did it, but you don't know who did it. Law & Order Law & Order stories
0: welcome to these are their stories the podcast about network tv's most enduring crime franchise and the real life cases that inspired their shows i'm kevin flynn each podcast will break down an episode from either criminal intent svu or original recipe today we're looking at svu season 10 episode 7 wildlife
1: the tiger that killed natalie not his come on Warner ran the DNA from the saliva found on the victim. Doesn't match Katsu's cat.
0: Damn, how many tigers we got roaming this city? Joining me to do just that is true crime author and the host of Crime Writers On and Slate's mom and dad are fighting podcast, Rebecca
1: Lavoie. Hello, Rebecca. Quick question, quick question, Kevin. Yeah. Am I attractive enough to be chosen as a smuggler uh, of wildlife? <laughs> <laughs> do you think so? It's, Am I attractive enough?
0: Uh, you're attractive enough for hamsters. Yes. <laughs> And rounding out <laughs> our panel is our special guest from the Extra Hot Great Podcast and the Previously TV website. It's the legend herself, Tara Ariano. Thank you so much. Hello. She's the legend. She's a Ta- legend. Tara, you were our guest in our very first episode of These Are Their Stories,
3: also about animals as I recall.
0: <laughs> That's true. When, when a horse gets killed, I guess anytime there's an animal thing, we're going to give you a ring. <laughs> That's true. Did Rebecca tell you in that episode about how she got fired because she was reading your website too much at work, how you were responsible for her getting terminated?
3: I think that we talked about that, and I think I said that's not the first time I've heard that either.
1: (laughs) And I think it's unfair to say she is responsible for my having read her old website, television without pity too much, while I was at work resulting in my firing. That was all me. That was me.
0: That was definitely all you. Uh, Tara, one of the great things, you know, that we've, by the way, first episode, thank you for, you know, taking a chance on this. I think we've rounded off some of the rough edges (laughs) from that first episode and kind of grown into our own. And one of the things that we really embrace here is our, hey, it's that guy. But you literally co wrote a book called. Hey, it's that guy. Yes, that's true. Tell us about that.
3: Uh, it's based on another website that I used to run as well called Cir- Circa the Same Time as Television Without Pity called Fame Tracker, um, where we basically were just, you know, breaking down uh, the world of celebrity in various different uh permutations so we had a variety of different recurring features that we would do like two stars one slot where you would look at like do we need both amy polar and amy sedaris for example (laughs) or the galaxy of fame where we would sort of rank like who's who's closest to the sun who's who's the furthest in a given week in terms of their their fame movement Um, and hey it's that guy was a feature that we did that would just highlighted character actors whose faces you know but you're you may not necessarily know their names.
1: Do you know that it was from Fame Tracker that I learned that Fred Thompson and that dude from the James Bond movies were not the same person? (laughs) 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 Because there was another actor who looked exactly like Fred Thompson. That was not Fred Thompson.
3: Yes, that's right. The guy that was also in, um, he was in Lethal Weapon, right?
1: That guy? Yeah, exactly. That
0: guy. Oh, hey, that guy. (laughs) And I think we would see, hey, it's that guys in all sorts of network dramas and comedies and whatnot. But it just seems like Law and Order was different because they just didn't give a shit about recycling somebody. the next season as oh if- no
3: yeah it was it's always exciting when you watch them to see, to see someone in like a very early very bit like first 10 minutes of the episode appearance and know like oh you're going to graduate to being a murderer soon i i uh, i know i've seen you with a bigger part later on or a yeah. da yes exactly or a defense lawyer yeah one time i uh, got on a plane and was crossing through first class cuz i am not fancy And Dennis O'Hare was in first, and so I made sure to tweet before we took off, if I get murdered on this plane, (laughs) tell the authorities Dennis O'Hare did it, because he probably (laughs) did.
0: Were were there fringes on that American flag on that plane? (laughs) Because then it would have made it a military plane.
3: And then you wouldn't necessarily need to recognize its authority. That's right.
0: Now let's take a look at the first half of this episode, SVU Season 10, Episode 7, Wildlife. (laughs) Camera angle, point of view of shooting victim, pulled off the street and wheeled into an emergency room. Camera swings around to show that it's Stabler bleeding profusely. <laughs> and then so ends the life of this beloved lead character three minutes into a mid-season if, episode. If only. <laughs> oh, but no, but no, but no, but no. We're transported back in time one week. Benson and Stabler are investigating a murder where the victim was shot, clawed, and licked. <laughs> sure would like to know what kind of weapon made those neck
1: wounds. Teeth. The blood smear from the victim's neck and genital wounds
0: shows aerobic gram negative bacilli, a bacteria commonly found in dog bites. A stray must have gotten to her.
2: Shot stabbed and now chew toy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Elliot and Finn learn that she's Natalie Blears, a wannabe model. At her flop house, they discover her burner phone with all her calls coming from just one number. Using their supercomputer police skills, they track the other caller to a cafe where, as if from a Mexican soap opera, they discover the victim's twin sister from West Virginia. No es posible. Si,
1: es posible.
0: <laughs> the sister says Natalie has been hanging with a gangster rapper named, wait for it, Got's money. Yep. <laughs> and by his rap lyrics, it's obvious that the censors at NBC didn't know what skeet meant. <laughs> <laughs> of course, Warner has to walk in with all the crazy science. The DNA from the lick shows Natalie was killed by a tiger. Given his fascination with the movie Scarface, Finn is sure that Gotz Money has a tiger in his crib. He and Elliot bust in and ask Gots where the tiger is. He says, Rocco's in the bedroom and when they open the door, Jesus Christ is a fucking tiger <laughs> <laughs> An expedited animal DNA sample proves Rocco isn't the killer tiger. So, who is? Gots confesses Natalie got him the tiger and offers to introduce him to animal smugglers Andre Bushudo and his partner Victor Tybor. Elliot decides he's going undercover as a dirty customs officer looking for some kickbacks. Bushudo's got a tiger and the fur proves that it's a match for Natalie's attack. Somehow the feds know this dirty customs agent is actually an SVU detective from Manhattan stepping on their own investigation before they can have the obligatory jurisdictional battle and talk about how personal this is. (laughs) (laughs) They have a report of a loud dogfight at Gotts Money's place. Of course, SVU would be notified of that. Only they weren't dogs, they were hyenas. The cops deduced that Gotts was eaten by the hyena because one of them just threw up the rapper's bling.
1: (laughs) That is a lot of plot for half just the of first an episode. Half. Yes. Yeah. yeah.
0: Wow. Yeah. And I'm there's exhausted. A, and there's a lot that I skipped there about, <laughs> sure is. about the setup with Natalie's hand stamp about and the, the mob nightclub yep. and the hustler and the cell phone and how they tracked her to the twin sister. But this really does not get going until we meet rapper Gotsmoney.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I actually think it gets going when, um, you know, per usual, they say. I'll grab Finn, because he knows the after-hours club scene. Of course he does. Of <laughs> yeah. course he does. Who else would know? Apparently Finn knows everything about everything that the white people in the squad don't know anything about, and that includes the after-hours club scene.
0: Mm-hmm. Sorry, somehow this episode is about illegal animal smuggling, but somehow it has to be a special victim's case. So this is predicated on the fact that the woman who was shot and mutilated and dumped was also licked.
3: <laughs> right. Mm-hmm
0: somebody licked her call stabler and benson
3: <laughs> yeah i mean i get it like that does seem like a weird pervy thing that someone might escalate to something
1: worse from i guess uh there's also that weird i mean i do love it when Tamara tooney is in the field you know you see mm-hmm. her like at the scene looking With at the special windbreaker breaker exactly or... i love seeing her outside of the lab uh-huh. you know uh but there is like a funny thing that happens when they're looking at the body and they're like she was mauled she was stabbed and like no one ever says like was she raped? Right. It doesn't really come up, yeah. which is like, that's actually what their job is. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if they actually make that assumption. But they do do that thing where they pull the dead bird out of the uh, victim's purse yeah. and they call it a parakeet when it is like so obviously not. A, it's like, have any of you ever actually seen a parakeet? I mean, you knew that wasn't a parakeet, right, Kevin?
0: Uh, Well, I just kind of went with it. <laughs> I mean, I just seen Stabler like get shot and almost die, and so I'm gonna like, <laughs> I'm going along with <laughs> with the, she has a dead parrot or dead bird for some reason in her her handbag, so we find out that that's Natalie from her sister, and Natalie apparently is just a hoe according to God's money. <laughs> yeah. In fact, he has a great. I think it's a pretty good line. He says that I ain't kill nobody and I ain't got no nine. And besides that, that girl done seen more nuts than a can of planters. So. That's right. She's seen more nuts than a can of planters. Uh-huh. <laughs> now, if you're in the marketing department for planters, you got to be happy with that product placement. right? <laughs> Do
3: you? When you're talking about a woman who got lick, eaten and licked? I don't know. I just... We should also say that God's Money is played by Big Boy from OutKast yes. in, a, in a real Great Star Turn. Yeah, well, what did you
0: think of his performance?
3: Uh, It was convincing. I bought it. <laughs> I thought it was good. I was sad when he
1: got eaten by a hyena.
0: Yeah. Well, there's a lot of big boy to go around for the hyenas, I think. Well,
1: there was the obligatory in-the-studio rap scene where we hear him rapping. Got it,
0: bitch. More cheddar crab. Skeet, skeet from the line to cut you in half. And it's
1: always on an SVU whenever they try to portray someone in, like, the music industry, especially the hip-hop industry, it is always, like, the worst rap song you've ever heard <laughs> it makes no sense. Impossible to imagine this guy would be successful, but you know, I was thinking about what we said about product placement, and I, I don't know if planters would be more upset than like Verizon when they basically made it look like tracking someone on their cell phone was like a video game of Pac Man <laughs> in Manhattan. <laughs> and I'm like, guys, that is not how that works, <laughs> it's just not how that works.
0: Sorry, she's talking about the scene where on the giant screen TV, they have a grid and all of a sudden a little dot like Pac-Man is flying up three blocks. Yeah. And and so they're like, we know exactly what cafe it is, the Pounding Ezra Cafe. It
1: was very SVU, that detail.
0: Yeah. Yes. They always have like super advanced technology in that squad room that just seems like, um, I don't know. Ill placed for sex crimes. You know, maybe mm-hmm. it should be in counterterrorism. I don't know. Right.
3: Or maybe you shouldn't have this sensitive material up on a gigantic screen in the middle of a <laughs> squad room when anyone could just walk yeah. through there.
1: Uh, this is the same team, though, that when they saw the numbers on her phone, they just played, they like made the phone call on speakerphone like right in front of the, uh, yeah, the suspects. Right, yeah. <laughs> like, like, like one of them would just be like, hey, don't pick it up. These are the cops. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Or it could have been somebody in the room's phone that they're calling and all of a so sudden they hear it ring. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But I was also actually surprised that um, when they had all of those phones that they Benson was like wearing like uh, latex gloves but she still could like scroll on that screen. <laughs> yeah. I was like, that's impossible. <laughs> <laughs> now Finn gets to get gots, money, <laughs> to flip.
1: It's funny every time. Gots.
0: <laughs> he gets him to flip by um, rolling the dice and telling him about the jailhouse rape game, which, you know, sex police never seem to be troubled by the, the <laughs> thought of jailhouse rape.
3: I feel like they're better about this on the show now. There's a lot of stuff in the earlier seasons of SVU where they're, like, really problematic about this kind of thing. like they'll they'll use the word "tranny" like in a knot mm. as if that's ok. You know what I mean? like they've they've definitely evolved. I don't think that they you would hear this joke in season nineteen versus <laughs> this
0: one from nine years ago. Let's hope not, <laughs> yeah. I do remember like law and order season two. So it's like ninety one, ninety two, something like that. Talk about a jump back in time when, uh, when Logan goes into uh, what was uh, called a drag club yeah. mm-hmm. you know and you know making all the all, all of those jokes which you you wouldn't do today that is one thing about SVU which is great is that you can sort of track this social progression about understanding about victims mm-hmm. and uh, other personalities and cultures including women who have seen more nuts than a can of planters guess. <laughs> <I'm
1: Yeah. just. laughs> yep. <laughs> This is, it's her sexual agency. is her business.
0: It is. <laughs> it's her body. It's her turtle legs. She can do what she wants with them. <laughs> no, the cops go there to look for a tiger. So you
1: mean at the, wait a minute. Yeah. You know the little screen thing where it shows up on the screen where they are and it goes like, bunk, bunk. Residence of God's Money <laughs> it's mm-hmm. <on> the screen.
0: <laughs> now instead of Gotts' crib is what it should be. Residence of Mr. Gotts oh, Money. Oh,
1: so funny. It's funny every time. Every time they said God's Money, I'm like, what? White person in the writer's room came up with this hilarious rapper name.
0: I love it. Well, when the cops go there to look for a tiger, and he says there's a tiger in the bedroom, <laughs> and they go to the bedroom, why is everybody so surprised? There's a tiger there.
3: Maybe they think he's being euphemistic, like when the old Exxon slogan used to be, "There's a tiger in your tank." Yeah. Like they think he's saying that's where the tiger
1: comes out.
0: It's <laughs> this, this is where he whip out the tiger. Oh, you didn't mean that yeah. one.
1: This is one of those scenes where, like, if you have, if you're watching this on your, you know, on demand service, mm-hmm. and you have the ability to watch it in slow motion. That windmill arms thing that Elliot does when the tiger, when the tiger jumps up. up. It's like the funniest thing I've ever seen. Like, <laughs> Son of a bitch.
3: Well, I want to give a shout out at this point since you brought it up to uh, a story that just went up this week on Pacific Standard Magazine. So that's psmag.com. It's an oral history of this
0: episode. <laughs> and
3: there are many gifts in it. And one of them is that, <laughs> is Elliot opening the door and, and reacting to the tiger.
0: There are so many classic gifts that that come out of this show. Right. And, and most of them are from the second half, which is, again, just cuckoo bananas. <laughs> uh, but one of the reasons why this one is so great. <laughs> uh, we do have some actors that we have to notice. First, we have a Hey, It's That Girl. Mm-hmm. Hey, it's, hey, it's the girl. girl. And Tara, can you give us the name of the actress who played the twin sisters?
3: Yeah, that's Caitlin Fitzgerald. Um, she's probably best known... To viewers of Masters of Sex, she played the wife and then ex-wife of Bill Masters, the Michael Sheen character. Yeah, Libby. God did it. I know he killed my sister. He said, "If she wasn't a nice pussy, he'd let the cat out of the bag." My sister was all I had. Yes, Libby. But she's also going to be um, in season three of Unreal this year as the this the the bachelor. The, ta- the dramatization of The Bachelor that's on Lifetime, the she shooter. will be the show's first
1: sutress, nice. which is their their term for bachelorette. Uh, so she'll be the star of that in season three. She's uh, a great actress. Yeah. She's a great, she's even good. Like, her, the scar they have on the actress does not hold up to HDTV at all. Like, you can just, <laughs> oh, no, it no, looks no. like it's just sitting on her face. It's hilarious. Mm-hmm. But despite that crappy, crappy makeup, like, she acts the hell out of her like police squad scene, like, way above the material that she's given here. And she was fantastic on Masters of sex
0: she did better than big yep. boy is that what you're saying
1: <laughs> guts.
0: <laughs> guts
1: she gots to do better than guts
0: right, i should know better than try to stump the master the author of hey it's that guy but <laughs> we do have a hey it's that guy mm-hmm. hey it's that guy and so tara can you name the actor why are i bring it to
1: tara i actually Be- know this one <laughs> because
0: because she's the guest and i want her to show off her superpowers okay okay the actor who plays evil sidekick victor tabor
3: Oh, that's Reg E. Kathy or Kathy. He, uh, I can't remember the name of that. that. He was on a drama a couple of years ago, but he um, he was in House of Cards. He was the guy who owned the rib place that Freddy. Kevin Spacey's guy ever, always
1: went to. Yeah,
0: Freddie. Yeah. He's also on The Wire. Yeah, you're th- he was yes. a, Tommy Carsetti's campaign manager
2: on The Wire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. This watch has a GPS tracking device. Uh-huh. Take it off. You're dead. Only make calls with this phone.
1: Yeah, he's wonderful. Love him. And and totally recognizable. Like somebody that as soon as you see him on the screen, you're going to be like, okay, this material might be better than it should be, (laughs) than it has any right to be.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So let's talk about that giant warehouse filled with screaming animals, shall we? Can't wait. Can't wait. All right. So first impressions. Uh, We go in and it's a quick cut of a screaming primate mm-hmm. to a porcupine to a bear <laughs> to a uh, a parrot uh i mean this is like a fever dream of <laughs> a zookeeper's fever dream tara
3: yeah agree <laughs> there's <laughs> a bit of that on this pacific standard story as well that i'm mesmerized by at the moment yeah it's uh it's it, i don't know how credible it is that you could hide this many exotic animals and also this many different kinds in the same space anywhere in the New York metropolitan area, but, you know,
1: I haven't lived there in a while. I kind of like to think that the producers of this episode got, like, a special animal wrangler deal. Like, oh, maybe, yeah. like, Barnum & Bailey was in town or... Because the hyenas at the situation was insane. I don't even know if it was mm-hmm. real, but you said it was.
0: You have to read this article that... Okay. Uh, yeah, it's uh, fascinating. ...that just came out. But, yeah, I just kind of wonder, how freaking loud must it be... <laughs> in that warehouse you, you know you have to you must to be like on the edge of town because the neighbors would be like you I mean, swear to God, I heard, I heard a parrot screech and then a bear roar. You mean
1: the fictional mm-hmm. warehouse. Because fi- I guarantee yeah. you, in real life, those animals were really quiet and they just added all that Foley later. There's no <laughs> way those animals were making all that noise when they were... There's no way. We would not have been able to hear Elliot Stabler's undercover act, which basically just consisted of him being Elliot Stabler but saying the word man a lot. <laughs> we wouldn't have been able to hear any of that dialogue if that, was, that sound was actually present. It was totally added in post-production. It had to have been. Right. You, you're you a producer, you know.
0: Oh, yeah. It's <laughs> it, it's hard to get a porcupine to to squee on command.
3: <laughs> also, at a certain point, like when an animal is in a cage, like they just do settle down. I mean, we have a dog. We put her in a crate at night. Sometimes she whines and then she falls asleep. Like, you know, there's <laughs> there like they feel like they're in imminent danger if they're in their own cage. Like they just wouldn't they would freak out at first. And then I think they would probably calm down.
0: Yeah, but is there a jaguar in a cage across the room from your dog?
1: <laughs> As a matter of fact, yes.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, <there he> <laughs> we were at the—I was at the National Zoo with my son this past weekend, and there is this one set of enclosures where there's a cheetah enclosure right next to the zebra enclosure, and I'm mm. like, this doesn't seem nice. Yeah, that's me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's rude. So, did anybody learn anything about the digestive system of hyenas? <laughs>
3: Uh, yeah, I didn't I didn't know that they would just swallow a large metal piece of, as they call it, bling. Like that and then worry about just barfing it up later, which is apparently what happens. But that uh, judging by this, going by this article that we keep referencing, apparently that is true. Uh, Dan Flora, who plays Craig and says that a hyena will eat a tin can. So, yeah.
1: So basically the um, metal necklace to a hyena at, is as a chunk of grass or leaves is to one of our dogs. Uh-huh. They will come inside and puke it up immediately, completely yep. intact in the middle of the living room floor. Yeah. <laughs> a,
0: a cat hairball. Just.
1: Yep. A sock.
0: Yes. That <laughs> sure. is perfect. Other, other than being covered in vomit, the bling is completely undamaged.
1: Totally. Yeah. You can put it on and walk out
3: with it. Yes. <laughs> it's just ready to get it like a quick dip in a bottle of bleach and then it's all set.
0: <laughs> you can resell it to the next uh, the next rapper, I guess.
3: Yeah. yeah. That's right. Gots more money.
0: <laughs> That's even more money.
1: Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait. You look and sound just like me.
0: All right, now let's take a look at the second half of the episode. Bushido summons Elliot to his warehouse. Within one hour, Elliot has established his cover as Mike, complete with U.S. Customs uniform badge, engraved name tag, cell phone driver's license, safe house, <laughs> and old bills already in the trash. <laughs> Bushido tells him over dinner that Natalie was killed when she opened the tiger cage and was mauled. That's when we learned they're both eating tiger meat, mm. and it's
1: That was a really good dad joke, Kevin. Very impressive.
0: Bushido says he needs Stabler to sneak in the world's rarest, most expensive monkey so they can carve him up and make even more expensive pairs of chopsticks out of his breastbone. But you can't trust a federal customs agent with the world's most expensive utensil monkey without performing some due diligence. Mm. They put a GPS on his wrist and tell him not to leave his elaborately detailed undercover home. Benson comes to the safe house to check on Stabler and is spotted by the smugglers.
1: You go undercover again and don't tell Kathy,
0: you'll be safer here than home. Call her.
2: Hi. Come on, Mike. let us in. That's him. That's him. Okay. Let us Take this. Take this.
0: She goes from nearly blowing his cover to blowing her partner, posing in her bra as a call girl. Mm-hmm. Bushido brings Stabler to a secluded neighborhood where he shoots him twice. And because the bullets just zip on through, the doctor discharges Stabler five minutes after (laughs) being admitted, and he's back on the case. Classic. A SWAT team raids the warehouse, but the smugglers and all the animals are gone. His arm in a sling, Stabler, and the whole squad stake out customs at JFK and track a guy with a mysterious basketball. At Bushido's new hideout, the cops swoop in to break up the handoff, then... The big reveal, Kragen opens the basketball, (laughs) and out comes the monkey, Mm -hmm. the most special victim of them all. (laughs) Stabler chases Bushido, who gets his leg caught in an assembly line. Meantime, Benson chases Tybor off the roof, and while he's hanging by the edge of his fingers, he says he's not a smuggler, he's a fed undercover who's been trying to break up the ring for a year. Okay, I'm just going to acknowledge that I know it's not actually a monkey, it's a gibbon. Yep, yep. But monkey is funnier to say. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So why is it whenever someone wants to talk about a rare animal, they just happen to have an eight by ten glossy photo (laughs) right here from the Sears
1: Portrait
3: Studio?
0: (laughs) This is what I want you to get. ta da! It's a rare animal, but it did pose for selfies. (laughs)
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. one of those like set piece classic svu set pieces right yeah it's <laughs> so good
0: now of course the one who also was doing it was uh warner not only did she show like here's like the the bird the rare bird that right. was you it's know, not we, a parakeet yeah we skipped over that <laughs> she showed and, and as she as, as she was walking by through the squad room to the place where there's 10 screens there was already in one screen brought up a photo of the bird, <laughs> like just waiting there for her to come by. She
1: mm-hmm. was able to set it to the screen remotely from her office across town. She, she airplayed it,
0: <laughs> swiped it right off of her phone. Oh, couldn't have, they didn't have that technology then, but it was to, it was easy enough to use latex gloves on the on the screen. Right, but right. couldn't just just put it up there. Okay, uh, Tara, can you please explain to me why does a sex crime detective need access to such an elaborate safe safe house? <laughs>
3: Well, because this isn't the only time he goes undercover, right? Doesn't he go undercover another time to to infiltrate a sex addicts group? <laughs>
0: he, he, yes, does. he does. He does.
3: And she B- Benson goes undercover with some kind of environmental thing and and in prison and stuff. I mean, obviously, she doesn't need a safe house when she's pretending to be a prisoner. But
1: no, in that episode, she actually did need a safe house because she was not safe in that prison.
0: Right. No, she was no, not she safe wasn't. in that prison.
3: <laughs> she should have had a safe house. But yes, she was posing as an incarcerated person. So, yeah, I, I mean, this this does seem like a lot. Um, and why this didn't get kicked back to Fish and Wildlife, I i don't know either. But
0: um, <laughs> it didn't. So here we are. They're like, I'm going to check your driver's license. Okay, that checks out. Yeah, who,
1: who made all this documentation? Let's get in the car. Who made all these
0: bills? I, yeah, yeah, and he, he literally said, I've got to meet him in one hour. One hour, yeah. And they're like, I know where to go. Let's drive to this safe house Queens. where they already have, like, uh, past due bills with my name on right. them. Right, and
1: they had that fun bait-and-switch scene where they were like, they were going to Kathy's house. Oh, yeah, the Silence of the But we lamps. knew the minute anybody who's seen like their house before, like that was not their porch. It didn't work on me. But uh, I, I would have felt a lot of tension had I, know, had I not known what their stabler porch looked like.
0: I did. <laughs> I was like, how is he going to talk his way out of this one? <laughs> <laughs> because if uh, all of a sudden a, a woman shows up in mike the dirty custom agent's life <laughs> he's got to explain it and so that's why i cannot even with benson and her bra
1: wait oh wait because it's benson and her bra
0: just the the, the whole contrivance <laughs> of the scene mm, are you ready for me daddy yeah. oh didn't know we were having a party that's gonna be a hundred to watch 250 to join each you guys gotta eat huh <laughs> I was already thinking this, and Tara, the, the article we read just confirmed it for me. Mm-hmm. They were just trying to find a way, some way, to placate all the shippers yes. that wanted to get Stabler and Benson together. And really, this is the closest that they ever come. It's a mm-hmm. wink where she comes out in her underwear, and he's in his underwear, and she like hugs him and pretends to be his lover in yeah. order to keep from both of them getting shot. But that lives on as a gift that is always a kind of a WTF unless you've seen that episode.
3: Yeah. Yeah, for this episode to contain both that moment and the Gibbon popping out of the basketball and hugging
1: (laughs) Cragen is like,
3: this is really—it's rich. It's rich material.
0: It's an embarrassment of riches. It
1: is. I mean, we haven't even in your recap didn't even discuss the fact that like Kathy like leaves Elliot or is about to leave Elliot in this episode. Don't you think you should sleep on it before you make such a huge decision? I did,
0: but I can't take this anymore.
3: Where are you going? I don't know. Does it
1: matter? He won't call. He would if he could. Did you talk about like the, the drama, and you think mm-hmm. about like the promo that they probably put together for this episode. Like the week before when they showed like coming up on SVU, it's like. Kathy saying, like, uh, if this is over, I have to leave him. And then, like, the little shot of the two of them, like, almost naked together. Like, that had to have been, like, a fake-out promo opportunity. For sure. Right? Yes. Oh, my God.
0: <laughs> if you asked a lot of longtime fans to pick, like, top ten moments from SVU, mm. the basketball might make it. But, I mean, so many people would have the Benson poses as a hooker mm. to save Elliot's cover. Yeah as as one of the scenes. And it's just, I don't know, I think it's it's cute, but it's crazy.
1: It's crazy. Mm-hmm. She also doesn't look anything like a hooker would look.
0: <laughs> Hit a bra, you mean? <laughs> they found her leather jacket, but apparently not her badge and gun.
3: Yeah. <laughs> They're just careless is what they are,
0: frankly. They think they got it all covered, but they don't.
3: Yeah, I can't with Kathy. I'm, I'm with the fans. I mean, I didn't particularly care for... If Benson and Stabler got together, but Kathy whining about like, how can you blow? (laughs) He's a cop. You knew he was a cop when you married him. Like, this is how it is. Deal with it.
1: You guys have had 17 kids at this point. You would have figured it out, right?
3: Yeah. Yeah. I never thought that she was like leaving him for real. I thought she was just going to go live at her mom's while he was away or whatever. But like, Kathy, (laughs) what a thankless role for that actress, too.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And actually, you know, Benson is pretty lucky that Kathy didn't go. I just packed this bag. Here, take the baby. I'm walking out. (laughs) Although Benson might go, you know, this is a whole lot easier than I thought it would be. Exactly. Getting my baby that I've always wanted. (laughs) (laughs) Be like, who's your grandmother and will she kidnap you later on? (laughs) Now, why do they need to go to such lengths to bring animals on planes? Because today people are bringing freaking peacocks on as comfort <laughs> animals.
3: Well, they're trying. They're getting denied, but they're trying for I'm just sure. Saying,
0: yes. Put a red vest on the monkey and say you have epilepsy. <laughs> yeah. You just go right through customs.
3: Well, I can tell you, uh, as someone who lives in Hawaii, uh, there are very strict rules about importing animals, like even just, you know, your regular dogs, like that, because there's no rabies anywhere on any of the islands. So there has Ah. to be a quarantine period before you can bring your dog from the mainland. But people get around this all the time by claiming that they have an, that it's a service animal or that it's an emotional support animal. And like, there's no real guidelines for what an emotional support animal like is or does. Like there's no, there's no governing body that determines what actually Mm -hmm. passes. You really can just get away with a lot of shit. And, um, I don't care for that (laughs) for for people who actually do need service animals for real, like not just because they feel like going to Honolulu from Kona with their dog, you know, (laughs) like it really devalues the work that actual service animals do to just decide you're going to uh, bestow this honor upon your own, like, Labradoodle or whatever the fuck.
1: Yeah, and, you know, it is... I don't want to be regionally discriminatory. It's very Go much ahead. a California thing. Because every oh, time yeah. I fly through LAX or not any other California airport, there are a million people there with their dogs. And the last time I was there... I was waiting on a plane to get back from the podcast conference we went to, mm-hmm. and I heard a woman ask another woman, how do you just have your dog here on a leash walking around the airport? And the woman with the dog said, oh, I just got my psychiatrist to write a note saying that it was my emotional support Jesus. animal.
0: <laughs> Now I know like, they're not allowed to ask you what your condition is, right? Right. But they can ask you menstruation, <laughs> <laughs> loneliness, loneliness. What is your dog for?
1: I have a snuggle deficiency.
0: <laughs> I have homicidal rage.
1: Degraded sense of self. <laughs> My implants hurt.
0: <laughs> I have knowledge of the late night club scene. <laughs> Can I ask where the fuck did all those animals go?
3: <laughs> they ate them, right? Ate, Isn't well, that what
0: we assume? <laughs> how much bear meat could they possibly have had consumed?
1: We know we ate. We know they ate some because we see the carcasses of a few, like. Jackals, or well, there whatever. were
0: deers that are, that we were led to believe was <laughs> what food. they f- was food,
1: which brought us to the amazing right. meat seller dude who, like oh, as yeah, an actor, head. just <laughs> did not give a fuck about like anything about the
0: show he was on. You delivered truckloads of meat to a warehouse in the middle of nowhere.
2: Yeah. So, and you didn't think that was strange? If I was a thinker, I wouldn't be selling animal food for a
0: living. Any any theories, Tara, on what they did with all the animals? Um.
3: They went on Craigslist and tried to buy <laughs> them as
0: rescues. eBay. It's, well, it's amazing because God's Money said I tried to find a tiger on, on eBay. eBay. Yeah, and yeah. that's how he got hooked up with Natalie. Yeah, what, what
1: are like the user ratings on people who like buy and sell tigers on eBay? Five stars. Paid quickly. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I bought
0: a lion with PayPal. <laughs>
1: Maybe they
3: just put them in like a big bin, like a laundry basket, and just left them on the doorstep at the zoo with a note, you know, like, please take in my baby.
0: (laughs) We get to the warehouse Mm -hmm. and, you know, the new hideout, and Bushido is there with the buyer. Right. And he says, Now I'm one of only 17 Gibbons left in the world. (laughs) And then the evil businessman says, Soon to be 16. Soon to be 16. <laughs> <laughs> My God. It just. First of all, why is it that nobody runs after this super villain with a million dollars in cash who wants to butcher an endangered species to make chopsticks out of his breastbone?
1: But, but better yeah. question is, why is Elliot there? Like, why is he allowed to be there? He's like, I'm assuming off duty, right? Like, he was probably like, um, don't, isn't it required that if you get shot, like, you're not allowed not to be at work? Not if you're stabler.
0: <laughs> By the way, he got shot through the arm. It's like, I get a flu shot, and I'm like, I can't lift my arm. Yeah. But no, first of all, I'm going to hold up the binoculars for a really long time. Mm -hmm. That must have hurt. Yeah. Uh, But now I'm going to go chase this guy through this factory. And I always wonder, Tara, like these abandoned factories, who's been paying the electric bill so that when they come in, they can turn on all the machinery?
3: That's a really good question. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't even think of that, but you're right.
0: Yeah. So, of course, the handoff is actually the gibbon is in the basketball.
1: I know. It's shocking.
0: And so when they they break it up, somebody I didn't see who it was, somebody grabbed the basketball and then dropped it down this the this the, the scaffolding into to Craig's waiting arms. Right. I just have to say, what would have happened if the basketball hit the floor and bounced once? <laughs> oh. I mean I'm not into there animal would have been cruelty 16. obviously. It <laughs> would have been sixteen right then. No chopsticks. <laughs>
3: Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary and not guaranteed.
0: Well, let's take a look at the real-life story that inspired this episode. It's time for Ripped from the Headlines. Can't wait. You think you know who did it. You think you
1: know who did it. But you don't know who did it. You don't know who did
2: it. Ripped from the Headlines. Although this story is fictional, there's a large smuggling network for exotic and endangered animals. Investigators say this black market is second only to narcotics, bringing in $20 billion a year internationally. While elephant ivory gets the most news coverage, smugglers are transporting an extensive variety of live animals through customs. Some of the animals that bring in the most money include chimpanzees, pythons, and certain rare butterflies. Among the ploys have included a crook who sewed hummingbirds into the legs of his pants, a woman with plastic bags of fish taped to her waist, and a lad with endangered geckos stuffed into his knickers. He didn't use a hollowed-out basketball, but a man tried smuggling two pygmy monkeys into Los Angeles. He was foiled only when the birds of paradise in his bag flew out and circled the terminal. A fatal plane crash in the Congo has even been blamed on a smuggled crocodile who got loose and terrorized the crew. Investigators have had little luck determining who the buyers are. Some species are used in medicines or eaten as delicacies. However, it's possible that wealthy collectors are creating their own secret zoos stocked with the rarest wildlife in the world.
3: Whimp, 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 Cleveland,
1: Ohio has a ton of random backyard big cats walking around. There was a whole like documentary about it on PBS a few years ago, and they're not wealthy people. They're just like people with just like backyards and like lions and tigers in them. It's bananas. Oh my. But there's also a market, and I will say here, I have a experience adjacent thing that happened to me when I was a teenager. I worked for a chain of pet stores, and there was a scandal where one of the bird sources for the pet store chain I worked for was actually breeding birds with smuggled African gray parrots, and it was like a big deal. It's horrible. It's a horrible trade. It's cruel to the animals. It's not good, but it is super common, shockingly so.
0: It seems like it would be harder to smuggle dozens of women than turtle eggs, but it's actually the other way around. And it
1: happens on this show all the time, Well, yeah.
0: (laughs) It seems, I mean, through, you know, uh, I guess it's human trafficking or white slavery or whatever term you want to use, moving sex workers from Europe and whatnot seem to, or from... Uh, from Central America, seems to be an easier job for smugglers than having to come up with, you know, sewing hummingbirds into your pants.
3: Yeah, but they say in this episode, the uh, the Fish and Wildlife agent who never comes back says the, the penalties for smuggling animals are less. Yeah.
0: No, that's absolutely they're true. As, they're
3: half as dire, so that's why some people have switched from human trafficking to um, animal trafficking. Right.
0: Tara, you live in Hawaii, and you were saying, you know, that – Uh, There is wildlife on the island that just doesn't exist elsewhere. Uh, yeah. This is, is. Have you ever been tempted to? I don't know. Pick up a gecko or something and <laughs> stuff it in your bag and make a couple of bucks.
3: <laughs> Traveling is such a pain in the ass, and now that I live here, it takes forever to get anywhere. So, like, I'm not looking to complicate
0: the <laughs> process further. Yeah. Now, look, I got to take my fucking shoes off when I go through the security at the airport, yep. and apparently, there's a woman like with 50 turtle eggs. <laughs>
1: Taped to her Taped body. her
0: butt or something like that. Yeah.
1: But you and she have something that mm-hmm. you don't have in common, which is that she, as they say, is beautiful. So no one is looking at her midriff. Plus, <laughs> that was before the whole thing where you had to go into the little booth and put your hands over your head and get scanned. This this whole crime would yeah. be a lot harder to commit yes. right now.
0: Mm. Yeah, but they're not scanning the basketballs, which is <laughs> part of the problem.
1: Well, they had that specialized basketball container. We see them open the lid and it's clearly like a specialized container. Another question for me practically is like, props department, where'd you get that basketball container? Because that would also be great to bring on a cruise ship and bring a bunch of booze with you. Just saying. <laughs> I'm not advocating it. It was just a thought that crossed my mind.
3: Well, it says in the article, much referenced, that the the one that the Gibbon actually does come out of is a slightly larger one. It's not the one that we see rolling around on the floor. That's a real basketball. Oh, trickery. This is, a, this is an extra large one that they built. So... Hmm.
0: It's a gibbon-sized basketball. Yeah, in the
3: in the close shot, because there's a gif of that as well. You can kind of tell that it's bigger than average, but it's it's true. It goes by so fast, you really don't notice in the episode.
0: Now, if Tari, we had to profile the type of person that would spend a million dollars to kill a gibbon to make chopsticks out of him. Is is this like an industrialist? Is this somebody who like owns shares of Google or something like that?
3: I mean, I I would assume that the show would try to make it out like there's there's you know that they would come up with some kind of spurious like yeah. Chinese medicine <laughs> angle sooner yeah. than they would yeah. chopsticks. That was just crazy. <laughs> it's just such a it's such a waste. Like and and what ha- what happens after you get those chopsticks and they're like, "You know what that's made out of?" No. <laughs> it's made out of an endangered given. Oh yeah. That's fake. End of conversation.
1: Like, what is, the, what is the the value of this trophy?
0: Then what is this sushi I'm eating?
1: Wasn't the guy yeah. who was actually the smuggler eating with a pair of those Gibbon chopsticks, like, in the warehouse? He
0: had a pair of... Cho- he was eating tiger steak with chopsticks. Why didn't he, he just yeah. must be give the really pair of
1: chopsticks to the dude and charge him a million dollars instead of having to bring the monkey in? I have so many questions. Oh, but yeah. then there
0: would be no honor among smugglers.
1: <laughs> but at least, like, because the whole thing is, like, it's... In
3: the article, it's like it's a white-handed Gibbon. Like, even if you were sa- I'm not saying do this either. Listeners not giving any idea. No no one is taking it. If the purpose of it was like okay we're going to cut off its hands and make like coat hooks or something then at least you would be able to see okay that is definitely from an an animal.
1: I don't get this (laughs)
3: chopstick thing at all.
0: It's very strange. <laughs> you just put them on the wall. Nobody ever monkeys.
1: asked what your chopsticks are made of, right? Yeah. Great. Right. <laughs> Who cares? Yes. If you had a little gibbon head over your fireplace, everyone right. would know. Maybe like that, you that, are that the king is the,
0: the weirdest smugglers. trophy animal I've ever seen.
1: <laughs> I mean, hollow it out, put your toothbrush in. I
3: don't know. I'm not saying do any of this. I'm just saying these are other things you could do with a gibbon body. Maybe they had plans beyond the chopsticks to like use every part of the, <laughs> the gibbon. I don't know. I don't. I don't claim to understand the the mentality of this type of
0: a person. If we have the the gibbon head mounted on your wall and be like, "Did you did you kill that?" Like on safari, he says, "No, I killed it with a basketball."
3: (laughs) I killed it in a warehouse in Queens.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That is going to do it for us. We want to thank our special guest Tara Ariano. Tara, where can our listeners follow you online?
3: I'm on Twitter at Tara Ariano T A R A A R I A N O, and same on Instagram and you can find my many podcasts at previously.tv slash podcasts Extra Hot Grade is the big one but we also have ones on Married at First Sight and Will and Grace and Beverly Hills 90210 and many others so check us out over there and speaking to uh, to the story about Rebecca getting fired for reading our recaps at <laughs> Television Without Pity we have brought back epic Yay! old school mid 90s style recaps to previously.tv so you can go there now thank you to everyone who donated to a very successful um, Indiegogo campaign uh, last year late last year uh, we have recaps up for The Walking Dead, The Crown, American American Crime Story, RuPaul's Drag Race, much more to come in 2018. So go there and check those out as well. Can't right. wait to get fired from my current job. Yes. <laughs> You're
0: welcome. <laughs> good luck building that new bomb shelter, by the way. Rebecca Lavoie, <laughs> how can our listeners follow you?
1: Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Reb Lavoie. Of course, you can also listen to Crime Writers On, Slate's Mom and Dad Are Fighting, and check out my other show, HGTV
0: and Me. And you can track me on Twitter at Kevin P. Flynn. You can tweet to us at long. On order pod or follow us on Instagram at these are their stories podcast our newsreader was Cy Freider our theme music was composed and performed by Uncanny Valleys content assistance from Travis Roy Lily Flynn handles promotions to get ad free episodes of these are their stories a week early sign up for for Stitcher Premium. Get your first month free at stitcherpremium.com crime. All clips in this podcast were used in compliance with the U.S. Copyrights Act Fair Use Exemption for criticism and commentary. Special thanks to the elite squad of the Law & Order Wiki community for preserving the evidence. If you want to know what episodes we're talking about in our upcoming shows, go to lawandorderpodcast.com. Sign up for our newsletter for a chance to be our next Law & Order Marathon winner. These Are Their Stories was recorded in the Yoga Live above the bodega in East St. Louis, Mississippi, studio. Long
1: story. And
0: <laughs> is a production of Partners in Crime Media. Partners, Partners
3: in, in Crime, Crime Media.
2: Media.
3: Everything is changing so fast. I mean, back in my day, we were lucky if we could get one video to load. But now with the Xfinity 10G network, you can power a house full of devices at once with ultra low lag. The future starts now. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary and not guaranteed.